Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Don't let me down, Bruce. (laughs) Old ELO song. Remember that? I do remember that. Don't let me down, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought they were singing to me. And I wasn't thinking, how am I letting you down? I'm just a guy. Anyway. uh, (laughs) That is an odd song. (laughs) I like that song. I like the ELO. I like yellow. No, but we are, and we already have our mandatory 1970s reference, Bruce. And the move, the band that pre- <clears throat> predated the the uh, yellow, were a fine band, also. Anyway, so and the traveling Wilburys, <laughs> who, who came after them with Jeff Lynne. Jeff Lynne, yeah, the common, <laughs> the common denominator, all three. Bruce, I'm going to proclaim this my opinion that that was the Battle of Alberta game of this century. I thought it was a fantastic hockey game. And it had, and I'm saying that because it had all the classic elements of a Battle of Alberta game, even though the Oilers lost. I mean, the Oilers didn't win every Battle of Alberta game. So sometimes the bad guys won. And that's what happened here. They tied. So it had fighters fighting each other. It had, you know, Kachuk and Cassian having their big revenge match we had nuge and monaghan that's what really put it over that the was top. a real fight actually that, it was a real fight and that's what put it over the top. kachuk one was kind of meh yeah, it was but nothing. the nuge and monaghan they were they were pissed i mean that these are guys that never fight but something set them off nuge was tossing bombs out there when you get two skilled guys fighting that's the battle of alberta you, we had a dirty hit we had a weird goal against that, you know, that left us feeling agonized. We had excellent saves at both ends. Great offensive chances by Oilers superstars. You know, they just were were absolutely scintillating. We had some ugly Oiler breakdowns leading to Flames goals. Unlikely hero in Matt Benning scoring us. And we had some Flames villains, uh, Giordano and Riddich, who was who was he, David Riddich was a, was a villain because he was just so damn good. The Oilers had fourteen Grade A scoring chances to seven for the Flames. <clears throat> Heck of a game from the Oilers, even though they lost four three. Uh, even though they were coming off a ten uh, day uh, break, which was just brutal, brutal scheduling by the NHL. But the Oilers fought through it, and that was I just that was a, a, a thrilling hockey game. So glad I'm glad the Oilers got a point, Bruce. They really deserve mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was yeah. Yeah, it stinks to lose that freaking shootout, but uh, it's luck of the draw. I mean, they dinged the post square on twice, and David Riddick decides he's the friggin' hero and he tosses a stick in the air. The <laughs> goalpost saved his ass. You I'm didn't just, break a clipboard just, that day. I'm just bitter. No, I'm just bitter. I actually like David Riddick, but his hot dog act can rub me the wrong way if he's playing against the wrong team, which uh-huh. he obviously was tonight. Yeah. You didn't break a clipboard, but McDavid nope. broke his hockey stick. Okay, we're going to do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing? Well, i got to go with a tying goal by Matt Benning. Actually, the third tying goal, because Edmonton came back to tie it three different times. Uh, but the 3-3 goal that came out of nowhere in the third period that was so tight that each team had only four shots on net and what had previously been a very wide-open game. Uh, but Matt Benning managed to make the uh, the play with the uh, uh, well rink length dash 
and a very nifty move to get in. And then he beat Riddick. I thought actually that was not a really good goal on Riddick's part. In fact, he made some great saves, and I thought a couple of the goals he let in were were not great. You know, a rebound goal and the, and uh, the Benning one. But from an Edmonton perspective, Matt Benning, who hasn't finished a game since November, has. Um, um, I got a cat behind me. Uh, oh, I see. Are my flowers. Okay. Go ahead. That's why they're moving. Okay. Anyway, the, the uh, uh, Matt Benning hadn't finished a game since November. And he just had that one game where he started and he got hit in the head with a puck. And so tonight he came in. He only played uh, 11 minutes, 11 seconds. Uh, but he tied for the tied for the defense lead with three shots on net and six shot attempts. And, of course, he was the only defender who managed to score a goal. <coughs> and a huge goal it was. To lose that game in regulation would have been painful, painful, painful. As it is, it, you know, it stings. But you take your point and you move on. It lets, you know, you're <clears throat> progressing towards the final result, uh, you know, of the season when you get when you score points. And I got one of the two points. So That, that betting goal uh, was a real kind of 1970s kind of goal because he wasn't going too fast mm-hmm. as he was going up the ice, but he was kind of slinking up the ice and he made a good deke, you know, not at, not at a high-speed deke, but he deked them out of his shorts and it went in there and kind of made a move on the goalie and slammed it home. That was like a Brad Park uh, <laughs> kind of goal, Igor Larionov. Um, <clears throat> nice goal by Matt Benning, man. It, it would have, I think it would have been a little bit of injustice if the Oilers hadn't tied that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had tons of, of strong chances. The the Flames uh, didn't have that many. They scored on three of their first four grade A chances, yeah. and uh, they were tough. You know, there was a deflection by Larson, and the um, Pani had a good shot, like a a low to high snap shot. That, you know, Smith had to be back in his net. I think the third one Smith might have had, though. What do you think? Like the uh, across the crease that it was. Yeah. It was. It was a grade A chance, but you just. There was enough there there. that Smith could have jammed him or got on him or made a play there and made that save. Well, what he needed to not do was lift his pad off the ice to give him the whole bottom of the net so he could slide it underneath. Like, he guessed that uh, Manji Panning was going to try to roof it, but by lifting his pad first before the buddy even had to shoot the puck, he made his job easy for him. Pad up, puck down, slide it home. So I really didn't like the way he played that, but uh, he did get hung out to dry on the play. Like Japan, he had a good two or three steamboats to make his move and his shot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, too many that's, steamboats. That's an old Harry Neal expression, but uh, you know what it's from? One steamboat, oh, two steamboats, steam three steamboats, and, and then you can three rush steamboats is way too many steamboats in front of your own net. Yeah. We played that in flag football or, or like mm-hmm. a football. Then you could rush the quarterback after five steamboats. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, sorry, I'm working on a little bit of a cold here, Bruce. Yeah, um, I, I could hear your voice a little soft. You're right from the hop, yeah. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is my good thing. Mm-hmm. He really came to play tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, you know, he was in the right place at the right time on the goal line to save that goal. If that goal's in... That game is over, 2 nothing. too big a deficit, you know. Terrible, terrible turnover, uh, which is my bad thing, uh, but I'm going to get to that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Nuge was, was he, he made that play, and then he gets in the fight with Monaghan, and he holds his own, lands a couple punches. Uh, he takes the shot, 
really wicked shot, great B scoring chance that Yamamoto puts in on the rebound. Mm-hmm. Um, he set up Dreisaitl on a chance. He was flying all night. I thought he played really well. He brought his A game. There's a lot of Oilers who did. I thought Yamamoto, uh, mm, yeah. strong, Clefbaum, Gagne. Gagne. Yeah, Gagne, Gagne was loaded for bear. <laughs> he and Nuge came out of the bench, out of the gate, just on fire. And uh, Gagne made uh, uh, made a number of strong plays. He really was throwing himself into the game there. He tried to tried to cremate uh, Noah Hannafin on a on a flying. Oh, was that Hannafin or Hamannick? Uh I think it was Hannafin that he missed, and when he hit the boards there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Hamannick Hamannick had a quietly great game for Calgary. Man, he's tough to get around. Anyway, um, yeah, Sam Sam was going, and uh, they he, had... he must have felt the uh, hockey gods were with him, Bruce, because he had that really good scoring chance, and he tries a three sixty spinorama to put it in the net. So you're playing with a high amount of confidence and gusto when you're when you're trying to execute a move like that on a good scoring chance. And so now you have cat trouble. We're having I have cat, a cat trouble at the door. You might be able to hear it if you watch the door; it'll subtly move. Exactly one cat width open, and then the cat will <laughs> slink through. And then you won't hear any more from her. She'll just be eating. Yeah, yeah. That flames goal was like one 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 hundredth of a cat width from going into oh, the net. Yes, that was real close. But the call was right. The whole puck <laughs> didn't cross the whole line. It was damn close. But what is your bad thing? Well. There, there was lots of things tonight, but you know, for all that the NHL had their player safety guy out there, and they had their um, their uh, uh, supervisor of officials out there, the to my eye, the worst foul of this game uh, was somehow missed when Mark Giordano. On Connor McDavid, I mean, you think they might be looking for Mark Giordano on Connor McDavid? Maybe they might be looking for, what do you think, David? They might, maybe should be looking for Giordano on McDavid? <sighs> I, I was really hoping, frankly, after that uh, after that documentary ran, that the league would watch it and realize that, you know what, we need to do a little better job protecting our stars. And this was their first chance, and they totally blew it on a blatant, open ice, to my eye, dirty dangerous play oh that was dirty yeah and i mean he reacted and he, you know it wasn't some people said knee on knee to me it was more skate on skate but he got a big mm-hmm. chunk of mcdavid on his left leg just as he was going by and connor was enraged i haven't seen him that mad for a long time he he first of all he hacked a guy in the corner which at least they didn't call that but uh and then he was on the bench he was giving it to the ref and and with cause like how did they miss that i mean what are they looking at? Like the puck is there. There's two guys, nobody else around them. And the one guy's obviously beating the other guy and going around and the guy sticks his leg out and clips him. How do they not hear it? I mean, what in the hell are they doing? I just don't understand it. And I guess the refs, I mean, I don't know what happened in the secondary mission because they did call three penalties on Calgary in the third <laughs> period. And at least one of them was pretty soft, but... You know, I'm not complaining about the officiating in the game. I'm complaining about that one call. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was the danger play in the game. And, you know, if McDavid, I mean, not that it's going to change things if a guy gets hurt, but they got to start enforcing the rules when these guys are, are, are reacting to him like that. You know, if he's good enough to beat them, then he beats them. You know, none of this, oh, well, he's so good that we've got to let the other guys hack and mm-hmm. chop and trip and stick their legs out and dive into his skates and whatever. And, you know, Mark Giordano's a good guy. He, you know. He, he'll apologize later, so we know it's all good. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was as mad as McDavid was at that moment in time. Uh-huh. So, to me, that, that's my bad thing out of that game. And there, there was, you know, there was sloppiness on the part of the Oilers, and you could pick a few bad things out of there, too, as, sure. as I'm sure you're yeah. about to. Yes. But I'm going to stick with uh, whining about the officials. <laughs> If McDavid had had five clipboards, he would have broken all of them, Bruce, on the bench right now. <clears throat> That's how mad he was. I've never yeah. seen him that mad. I've never seen Connor McDavid that mad. He was dropping F-bombs like they were going out of style. He snapped a stick. He was just, like, nutty mad. He was he was red hot. They didn't give him a bench minor for cussing him out. Yeah. Yeah. All part of the okay. Battle of Alberta, man. That's that's uh, you got to have some legendary anger. Mm-hmm. as well to make it start cooking and it's cooking now um my bad thing okay leon dreisettle had the weirdest game of his year <laughs> because he he made so many great plays he made how many end and rushes did he have Ooh. at least two he was just <clears throat> flying out there one in overtime he nearly wins it in overtime man that would have been fantastic if he had won that in overtime on that rush bruce but did he ever make some stinker plays and that that's including the first goal, um, which wasn't a, a major stinker play, but he let his man get, he, he stopped moving. He was on the back check, kind of gives up, stopped moving his feet, and his man puts the puck on net, which is deflected in by Adam Larson. If Settle's moving his feet, he can stop that puck from going at the net, and he wasn't. But worse than that came, you know, his turnover to Monaghan in the first period, which almost scored, uh, but for Nugent Hopkins, great play. And then... <laughs> And then after making a great rush uh, on the power play in the third, he gives away the puck to um, Derek Ryan. I have no idea who that pass was going. You know that. You know what that pass reminded me of? Watch the replay of it and you'll see it. And believe me, you'll see the replay probably another million times in your life. Theo Fleury's famous overtime goal against the Oilers. Mark Messier fed that same pass to, to Theo Fleury in that overtime game where he just passed it behind everybody and right on the stick of the opponent who just walked in. Same same um, position on the ice for both players and everything. And at least this time, Smith came up with a huge save there to save Leon's bacon because they, they score there, it's 4-2, and for sure it's game over that late in the, in the third period. We may have had some technical difficulties. There. I had a little thing that said poor connection, so... The glitch wasn't okay. too long, fortunately. <clears throat> okay. Just like Leon Dreisaitl had some technical difficulties on that turnover. Well, he had six giveaways in the game, which is a lot. Yeah, and in overtime, he was, he was again, he was caught out a couple times, and he was dead tired. Um, might have to use a few more twice. players. He almost scored twice <laughs> in over. He was the first star, Bruce. It was a very he, he had he had fantastic plays and he had atrocious plays. It was one of the weirdest kind of it was a it was a dry sightly in game in a lot of ways because that can be Leon. 
um, kind of up and down. He just couldn't right. solve David Riddick. He did got two assists, but man, he just couldn't beat Riddick. He had a few real good looks. You'll get him next time. All right. Um, your number. Uh, I'm going to go with 12 just because it's such an unusual number. It even doesn't. Hits by Darnell Nurse in this game. Uh, Nurse did play a monster game, uh, 27 minutes and 38 seconds, most on the on the blue line. And uh, uh, he was, uh, I liked most of his game. I think it was a little bit maybe caught flat-footed on, was it the 2-1 goal? Oh, he sure did. He had he had to pick up Mangiapani in the slot there, and he just stood. He just didn't read the play. He didn't recognize yeah. it, and boom! And it's I, in the I liked net. I liked a lot of his game. I thought he was really quite proactive. I thought his passing was good. Uh, I I thought his um, his uh, zone coverage was good. He was moving the puck to bear as appropriate. Um, but he is a high event player, and and I mean on these twelve hits, at least one of them he ran way out of position to hammer a guy in the neutral zone, possibly Kachuk, but it wound up with a two-one-one with Johnny Goodrow, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's my son, uh, Johnny Goodrow, <laughs> and uh, uh, I can't remember who he tried to get the pass through to. Was it uh, Monahan and uh, Ethan Bear got a skate on the pass, an Oiler actually defenseman actually broke up a two-on-one pass. Also a first of this century. Barris so Feels good. like it. <laughs> Ethan Barris so good. Chris Russell yeah. breaks up those two-on-ones yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. No, that's true. Anyway, it was uh, that was a key play, and, and Nurse did run out of position, but he was not uh, uh, he was not uh, hanging back, Darnell. He brought a he brought his skating legs, and he brought his mean streak, and he played a, he played a hard game. And I thought largely an effective game with a c- couple of blunders thrown in for for uh, for balance. But uh, 12 hits, and uh, a few of them were, you know, none sort of obvious highlight reel blowing guys up. But uh, he did hammer Matt Kachuk down pretty hard one time, and uh, that one was kind of borderline, could have been a penalty probably, and... Uh, uh, Anyway, that was uh, tw- that's the most hits I've seen in a long time. Double digits on any of the uh, event summary um, uh, columns, other than faceoffs. Double digits are very rare for shots uh, or you know block shots, hits, whatever. You almost very rarely see ten, and in this case twelve. So that's my number. Okay, my number is uh, Zach Cassian. His his number line. Um, he's from his from the event summary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he only played twelve twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got one penalty for five minutes, which was the revenge fight, which was, you know, exciting in the moment, but um, kind of didn't factor into the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, had one shot, one missed shot, two hits. Um, am I reading his yet? Mm-hmm. Two hits. Two giveaways and a takeaway. And Bruce, I just thought he had a really nothing game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting some energy out of him, but it, it just, maybe he just felt all eyes were upon him and he just was out of sync because of that. But he didn't play his game. He was a non-factor in the game. He had one good one good hit and one good shot. But um, after that fight, he was a complete non-entity in the game. Yeah. So he and, had that um, good shot early eh, on the two-on-one. Yeah, he he just was not. 
he just uh, so there's word that he signed a four-year 3.2 million deal best of all bruce there's not a no trade or no movement yeah. Uh, and this this is uh I'll ask we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards but um yeah not a great game from Cassian most uh, you know uh, a few of the Oilers didn't have good games I was I didn't love Nurse's game honestly because of that play on the goal and the and the mm-hmm. two on one those are pretty no, I didn't love plays. his game I liked lots of his game Shayan really struggled Shayan let a guy Shayan let Mangiapani out of the corner on the third goal against I just hated that play from Shayan. You know, and listen, and and even though I hated it, I don't, I don't, I like the player actually. I think he's a good hockey player, a good defensive mm-hmm. player, and I know how hard it is in hockey. You know, you're just out there, and things happen fast. He's watching the puck, and his guy goes to the net, gets the pass, oh. and scores. But this is the thing about being in the NHL: uh, you get a lot of money, and you get a lot of criticism now and then when you when you make a bad play. So, last minute in the second period of a tie game is not the time to be losing your man. When you're a defensive checking center, yeah, no, then. no. It is not. Then. Yeah. Well, Bruce, let's just finish up with a quick, your quick take on the Cassian contract. What do you, would you give it thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, well. Because it's, it's it, got to be either, Bruce. We, yeah, we need well, a yes or no. There, there's no sort of saying it's in the middle. No, I'm, because, I'm in the middle. because the contract Either you, either it's it's one of those things. It's either offered and signed. All right, so then it's a it's a it's a thumbs up. It's I mean it's it's richer than you would like, and it's longer term than you would like. But you know it's pretty clear that the fourth year was added to bring the cap hit down because in the first each of the first three years, I mean there's bonuses in there and stuff. I forgot about that. He gets his he actually gets paid three point five million in each of the first three years, and then two point three in the fourth year to bring the average down to 3.2. And what that does is it, um, uh, well, it gives the player obviously extra security and, it, and it, it puts the team on the hook for another year, but it does bring the price point down a little bit. Uh, it does make him more tradable uh, towards the end of the contract, just like the four-year Chris Russell deal that everybody hates. Uh, is tradable at the end, almost everybody, uh, many people hate. uh, But the last year is more tradable because his actual salary, uh, commitment salary is considerably below his cap hit. And that'll be the same for uh, for Zach Cassian. uh, But better still, unlike the Chris Russell contract, which uh, had a no movement clause for two years and then limited no trade for the other two years, Cassian's got nothing of that. They can move the guy. They can leave him unprotected in the waiver draft. If they lose him, well, you know, that sucks in, in one level. But, you know, it's not like where they had with Lucic, where they would have had to protect the guy, even though he's one of the worst players on the team, because of the structure of his contract. So this is a little bit of a tell on Ken Holland, maybe, that he doesn't want to go that route with this team uh, and and offer a bunch of this, no, you know, these... Uh, um, uh, restrictive clauses that work to the players' advantage and not to the teams, and so that part's good. Uh, I think for for what he is, I mean, you'd like to see like what Pittsburgh Penguins do. You know, they they always seem to have uh, Connor Sherry or Brian Rust or, or uh, Jake Gensel or somebody who's playing on Sid's wing and making a million bucks and scoring 25 goals, right? And 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 that's not going to be the case with uh, Cassian. Uh, that said, 
uh, he's really come 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 out <clears throat> as a as a solid player uh, in the last half of the three year deal he signed with Peter Shirelli in the summer of 2017. The first half of that contract, he really got almost nothing done. But in 2019, once they did move him up, uh, he scored. In calendar 2019, I keep going back to this, but it's it's a it's a it's a good takeaway because it's basically his most recent performance: 82 games played, 26 goals, 24 assists, plus six or eight—I can't remember for sure—but a plus player, and 49 of the 50 points at even strength. It's not like wow. he's getting a bunch of cheap points on the power play. He gets no points on the power play, so that limits the, the ups. You know, they value the contract. That's why he's not a four and a half or five million dollar player. You know, if he was scoring ten or fifteen points on the power play in addition to the other, uh, so that's uh, that's uh, you know, like he's been a productive player in that, you know, in that elite situation playing with those line mates. So uh, you wonder if there were other alternatives available and other solutions available, but I think the contract came in at less. Uh, less of a, a bashing cap hit than we thought it might be. Like we were talking four times four or four times three point seven five. Yeah. And so yeah. it's you know it's significantly less than that, if not enough left. And now the question is, will he be able to carry on playing the way he's been playing now that it's no longer a contract year for him? You know, he's that's the you know, that is. Yeah. He's that's got his uh, security now. Um, but I think he's in a happy place, and he, you know, this is a guy who is a bit of a wild man for the first number of years of his career, and he seems to have figured out a fair amount of it. Still a little erratic, but uh, uh, he's got, uh, you know, he's got some good qualities. You know, he's big. He's a right-hand shot. He can skate. Uh, he's got a decent right-hand shot. Like he can beat goalies with a shot occasionally. Uh, he, he's uh, he's a heavy hitter. He's a physical player. He's a bit of an intimidating presence. Uh, McDavid likes him. You know, you put all those things together, and there's value there. And some some teams would say, well, there's a power forward that maybe is worth closer to five million bucks. Well, the Oilers didn't pay anywhere close to that. So he he would have got at least what he got on the open market, I believe, because he can. People will say, well, Maroon got a lot less. Well, Maroon's a lot slower skater. And, yep. uh, and I think because Cassians can skate as well as he can, he gives, he would give a GM confidence that he will be able to keep up through the next four years of his contract. So I think he would have got this contract, just like Chris Russell, I think, would have got that contract on the open market. I think Cassian would at least get this amount. I thought he'd get the Furlan contract, which is 3.5 over four years. It was close to that. I was worried it was going to be closer to four million right. a year for four years or a five-year deal which i didn't like the sound of either so um it's 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 not you know yeah would i like if he had signed for four years at 2.9 or 2.9 of course but that's that's not realistic he was never going right. to sign for that because the open market and and i think if i think that's the real question so i guess you could say well the open market would pay that amount the Oilers didn't have to. They could have just let him go. They could have traded him at the deadline. We discussed this at the last podcast. Right. They could have traded him at the deadline, you know, played money puck or not signed him this summer, you know, used him as, keep kept him as their own rental and not signed him this summer. Uh, I don't know, Bruce. Connor McDavid's in his prime. They, they've got to try to win cups. 
Zach Cassian can help you win cups. Um, if he can replicate these seasons, Bruce, he's a bargain. If he can replicate the season he's had two or three times now, he will be a bargain. He'll be worth his weight in gold. And that's five, if he's, I worked it out, it's 5.5 million, his, his weight in gold. So if he can replicate these seasons, he's worth his weight in gold each year. It's a bargain contract if he replicates it. Because he not only scores all those even strength points, he's such a tough son of a gun. That really helps the Oilers. He's a true NHL power forward. So yeah. I, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, although I, I, I think it's an okay to good contract. There's a lot of risk They're attached to it. They're paying for for player, for sure. I mean, they, they didn't get him cheap, but I don't think they... they uh, it could it could have been more expensive, but now I need to know what does Zach Cassian weigh in Troy ounces? Maybe I didn't mis- maybe I didn't calculate it correctly. I did I did the sixteen ounces per pound times two hundred and fifteen times one thousand. I don't know what a Troy ounce is. Just that they use it <laughs> to measure gold. Yeah, <laughs> the gold. That's what we need at the Coliseum, at the at the downtown arena, is a gold statue of Zach Cassian, just like the <laughs> rhino on uh, Spider-Man. A gold statue of Zach Cassian. All right. <laughs> Put it right Albers. next to that Matthew Kuchuk <laughs> billboard, eh? I don't yeah. <laughs> Kind of a turtle gate kind of petered out. It, I mean, it, it certainly amped up well, that energy went into the game and the game lived up to its billing i think in mm-hmm. every single way and, and beyond well, it was trip answered the bell and the, and the good for him the thought was if he did that that might put an end to it and largely it did now you know i mean i still have my concerns about mr giordano but uh i'm wondering what, what point he needs to answer the bell and how how you even ring that bell you know i i, I don't know i mean well, demon have to be careful. They can get lined up for big hits quite mm-hmm. easily, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what happens in, in that yeah. regard. That's all I'm saying, Bruce. I'm not saying yeah. anything else. Okay. Yeah, well, that's certainly a possibility. It didn't really seem to happen tonight to uh, to him. Uh, a little feisty little Josh Archibald had seven hits in this game. Man, that guy doesn't quit, eh? I like him. Yeah, he's a good yeah, player. He uh, he brings it. He he lays his body on the line, and you got to respect that. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Let's let's leave it there for tonight. It's getting all late. right. So thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>